right, and we're here live once again on the Jason Deer Show, brought to you by the Ultra Human and the Da Vinci. Definitely check out uh, theultrahuman.net. Manny, did you hear that? I got to give myself a shameless plug. You got to. But you know, I haven't given myself many shameless plugs, have I, recently? So I'm just a shameless individual, but that's okay. So today, we have a very special guest, a very good friend of mine that I've actually been dying to bring on this show because he has a sort of a unique job training very high-level athletes. His name is Mark Canella. He is the owner of CWC, which is Columbus Weightlifting Club. He's got a pretty, last, pretty long list of credentials here. So without further ado, let's bring Mark on. How are you, Mark? Pretty good. Very good. And uh, are you from Columbus? Originally from Columbus, believe it or not. Really? Very good. And do you like Columbus? I like Columbus. He doesn't sound so sure. He sounds like he wants to be in Arizona. I'm supposed to say I like Cleveland also, so keep that in <laughs> mind. But I do like Columbus. Very good. And I'm surprised you are not in Bulgaria, Ukraine, or Kazakhstan, or some other crazy place where a lot of these athletes come out of. Right now is Arnold time for us, so maybe next month, but not in March. Or I should say not in February leading up to March. Very good. So we're going to get into the Arnold in a little bit, but let me bring up some of your credentials because... Before getting on this podcast, I asked Mark to send me a bio. He sends me literally the longest bio I've seen. I mean, you have an insane list of credentials. I mean, Manny, I could barely wake up every day. Like this guy right here. I mean, a few of the highlights. I mean, this guy's spoken at NSCA conferences. He's worked with the U.S. Armed Forces in Baghdad. He's a director of the U.S. Olympic Trials in 2012. He's been on TV at the 2015 World Weightlifting Championships. Um, he was a women's coach of the World University Games in 2013 in Russia. He's a personal coach for the Olympics, uh, weightlifting in 2012 in London, England, hometown props. Oh, and awesome. uh, he was inducted into the Ohio Weightlifting Hall of Fame in 2014. Um, and the list goes on. I would literally take up the entire podcast uh, row by row with this guy's credentials. So, but he is, in essence, an Olympic weightlifting coach and so much more. And a really, really great guy. And he's a very no-bullshit guy, which is what I like. Like, every time I see this guy, we meet at a restaurant. And he's like, this food's shit. This food's great. I like it all. I think her, her lifting, her posture's just awful. Sit up straight. Yeah. It's a very no-bullshit guy. So, Never. overall, he's for, uh, he's for the better. So, let me get into a little bit about what you do. Because you're an Olympic weightlifting coach. And a lot of listeners... Um, except for the people that may be into weightlifting, right. may not quite understand what exactly Olympic weightlifting is. So could you enlighten us and the differences between that and other various lifting sports? So the sport of Olympic-style weightlifting has been around since 1896. It's the two lifts now, the snatch and then the clean and jerk. You do the best of your snatch, which is basically the weight being brought up in one continuous motion to arm's length. Clean and jerk, two-stage motion, bring it, clean it to the weight in terms of bringing it up to your shoulders, and then driving it overhead. That's the jerk where you hold it. Wait, Manny just said jerk and snatch in the same sentence, and I swear, like I, I mean Jesus. Okay, I mean, can you keep it? Can you keep it chill for right. one second? All right, and go ahead. Sorry. So, so yeah, so Sorry. those are your two lifts, and when you look at pound per pound, the most amount of weight moved in the shortest amount of time, that force and that power output, that's Olympic weightlifting. Compare and contrast that to powerlifting or bodybuilding or any other type of weight training, and I always compare it. And, and this will date myself. If you were to look at like a Chevy Nova compared to a Corvette, were the Chevy Corvette 
any other sport in terms of powerlifting, bodybuilding, any of the others. That's kind of the Nova, the Yugo of the world. It gets you to where you want to be, but really it's the Corvette. You want to be fast and explosive right off. Boom. You're going to get there in 3.8 seconds. That's what we're looking to do to produce athletes and to really pound for pound, make your body move more explosively than any other sport. Now, this is what's interesting. If you've ever watched Olympic weightlifting, I mean, any type of weightlifting, especially the stuff that Canelo is doing. This is like a game of finesse. This is like a true kinetic masterpiece. And I could watch these things in slow motion all day because you're not really just muscling it up. No. You see like, you know, bodybuilders that are just curl after curl. And they're just looking for the pump, stretching the fascial tissue and sort of these, these different movements. But Olympic weightlifters are pound for pound, ultimately. So you don't just have... You have classes, obviously. Correct. But, you know, you're looking at some of these guys that are just tiny. They're like 150 pounds, and they're doing snatches with what? Double body, but double body weight and more. I mean, it's insane. And how much, how much do you think is really muscular? Or you, you sort of have a philosophy that a lot of this is neurological, and a lot of this is joint training the body's motion, and also balance. Rhythm and timing is everything in the Olympic lifts. As you were talking about the lifts, I thought to myself, gymnastics with weights. And that's really what it is. So that finesse and technique all comes in. Sure, there's got to be strength. But when you look at somebody, compare golf. A great golfer, world class, doesn't have to be 250 pounds and six foot three. They can be 160 pounds and five foot 10 and still hit it well over 300 yards hopefully straight down the fairway. But all that being said, same concept. It's the technique that really drives you. Did you hear that, ladies? It's the technique that really drives you. And also for Olympic weightlifting as well. So anyhow, (laughs) tell me a little bit about this. Does it irritate you a little bit? Because it seems to be three sports where there's this somewhat, you know, the Olympic bar and the lifting, and there's some similarities Mm -hmm. between weightlifting, powerlifting, and CrossFit. And how do you feel about the three sports? Well, let's give a statistic out first. Weightlifting is the fastest growing sport in all of America right now. So, really? Oh, yeah. So, weightlifting? Yes, weightlifting. So 30,000 plus members back before the internet when I was around Stone Age time, it was about three to 4,000 members. Now, 30,000 plus and from that pyramid, that's where you're going to start to see more and more of USA medalists. But comparing all three... I would say, look, I don't care what sport you get involved with as long as you're getting something involved with weight training, but CrossFit feeds weightlifting. God love CrossFit. It's done wonders in terms of what we do in weightlifting. That being said, weightlifting is kind of that Corvette, and it's going to continue to be first till I'm dead. Unbelievable. I can't believe you're so high on CrossFit. I figured you would hate CrossFit. No, no. I love CrossFit. Really? Oh. The number of classes that we do, the interest in the sport, the people that get involved, it's amazing. So you've taken a lot of athletes to the Olympics. I mean, most people have never gone to the Olympics. They watch the shit on TV. What is this like being a coach, seeing your athletes in the Olympics, and what's the experience like being around so many people? The experience probably when I first got into this position probably was overwhelming. But me being a coach, starting to get used to other athletes, get them to higher competitions, you get used to the things that are required, the things you got to think about. And these are world-class athletes. So right off the rip, you know what you're working with in terms of these athletes producing when they need to on that platform. 
me with Holly, same thing. It's a learning experience, but along the way, as we got to bigger and bigger competitions, the expectations, the things that we discussed, all of that was kind of done pre-Olympics. And then there you are in the back warm-up, and you look over, and you're like, huh, 2008 gold medalist, huh, 2012, blah, blah. I mean, you just realize all these athletes are there. You try not to be overwhelmed by it. Do your job. But at the end of the day, pretty neat to see all those world-class athletes realizing these were the people that I looked at well years ago, four, five, six years ago, thinking about this, and now we're we're basically there. So here's an interesting question. When you're back here with world, world-class athletes, all these people are watching, all the pressure is on. Do athletes typically PR and perform above their normal capacity in weightlifting at competitions like the Olympics? Or do you feel that in the practice room, they're performing at a slightly higher level than what they would do in competition? Great question. I would say this. The ones that are at the Olympics typically perform at a higher level at the higher competitions. And the ones that aren't at the Olympics, there's a reason why. They are basically performing at a high level in those practice rooms and not making it out on the stage, whatever that stage is. And that's what separates a high-level athlete from an amateur athlete. Bingo. Interesting. So tell me this. Olympics is always so much controversy on, um, controversy on blood doping, drugs, and sports. I mean, I've seen it all. I mean, I re- I've been around athletes my entire life, too. Not necessarily just weightlifting, but all sorts. Triathletes, mm-hmm. tennis players, NFL players, wrestlers, everything. There are so much drugs in sports. What is your opinion on whether we should just legalize drugs in sports, A, and B, how realistically prevalent are drugs at the Olympics and in professional sports today? Let's start with B first. So I think it's prevalent. I think the fact that you start to see now WADA and USADA and starting to get these organizations. So USADA, United States Drug Association, WADA for the World Doping, in terms of catching these athletes and starting to systematically catch these people that are cheating, I think is great. So going back to A, I think we shouldn't just basically leave it wide open. It shouldn't be the all-drug Olympics like the old skit from Saturday Night Live, but it should be systematically start clamping down on these coaches, countries, athletes that are essentially cheating their way into the medal stands. Now, I'm not going to play patriotic favorites here, okay? But recently we've seen sort of like a re, like reassured balance yeah. within sports with Russians, Americans, and everything else because because it has become more of a level playing field. Tell me more about this. So if you look at 2016, for example, we've, as a, as a group, United States, have medaled in every single international competition for the entire year. That's impressive. That includes a bronze medal with Sarah Robles at the Olympics. That includes C.J. Cummings, a gold medal in terms of a world record that he did as a 69-kilo lifter, 15 years old, clean and jerked over 400 pounds. Wait, a 15-year-old lifted 400 pounds above the head? Yes, and this guy weighed about 154 pounds. And you think this guy was totally drug-free? Totally drug-free. Bullshit. Seriously? Seriously. Kid you not. I got to get on the juice. I got to get off the juice, then, (laughs) I guess. You you need to get off. Yeah. Jesus. Impressive. So it can be done, and I think it's leveling that playing field that you're talking about, and it's a great time to be a weightlifter in the United States. For, so, I mean, let, let me go back to the drugs, though. I've seen people doing blood doping where they mm-hmm. literally take platelets out, re-inject them back, growth hormone, IGF-1, 
if there are drugs out there, people are using things like epigen to boost mm -hmm. their hematocrit and oxygen, yep. blood oxygenation. What are popular drugs that are being used right now? Well, for our sport, it's going to be a little bit different. If you think of EPO and some of the other things in terms of cyclists, runners, those type of things, we're going to be more of the anaerobic compared to aerobic. So when you look at drugs, testosterone, and those type of things, HGH, those derivatives, those are the things that are going on recently. And this was last year and the year before when you looked at uh, Sharapova for tennis. There are some drugs that actually have seeped into what weightlifters do to allow them to train harder and longer. But at the end of the day, ours are going to be more based on strength as opposed to being able to do those type of things. Now, I had, I had met a guy a long time ago. This was through Westside Barbell. And he had said, and I, I know powerlifting is different than what you do, but he had said to me, that he believes his philosophy, and these guys are pretty, pretty top lifter. I won't mention his name, but he had said to me he believes anatomically that a woman is built to deadlift and squat more than a man. Would you agree? I'll say this. There's a book by Artie Dreschler where he talks about in the weightlifting encyclopedia that other than awesome secondary characteristics, which you and I can talk about maybe at another time, <laughs> women and men are basically the same. So I would think that's very possible. So speaking of men and women, potentially being built where they could literally lift the same amount. Mm -hmm. Okay. At what point, and I have to ask, at what point now, with all of the shit going on with transgender, okay, <laughs> in, in restrooms and Target bathrooms and everything else, at what point do we see a men's, a men's division, a women's division, you know where I'm going, Yes. and a transgender division of training because they need to have a separate division because that's what they want. At what point, at what point do we see that, Mark? So another great question that actually we've discussed this before, and we've even discussed it just for the Ohio State to, in terms of our championships, let alone higher level competitions, just like anything else, it's going to evolve. And just like what you're seeing in the United States where people are having a difficult time with the bathroom laws, I think this is going to come to a head and there might be three divisions or something where they're going to have to clarify. Really? Yes. Why? I think you're going to wow. have to. Right? Wow. I mean, but what, you know, is there a point with, though, I mean, that's insane. Like, literally, I can go and say, well, look, I do not, I'm a guy. I might be the strongest guy in the world. And now I'm going to have surgery done on my penis. So maybe I'm going to go get uh, boob implants. And now I'm a woman. And so now I'm going to lift in the women's division. I think there's a difference between that and transgender in terms of what you're born as, in terms of the sex. So that's something that already I think the IWF has probably thought about, so the International Weightlifting Federation, in regards to that. You getting man boobs put in or deciding to become a female is different than the actual transgender, the way I would look at it, with what somebody would be in terms of hormones. identifying hormones, that type of thing, yeah. So there's other countries where, again, you look at international competitions and you need doctors to figure out or decide the gender based on the competition, whether it's a man or a woman, and that's going to be more and more prevalent as time goes on with these weightlifting competitions. So they go to an Olympic competition 
and they will send a doctor in to determine the gender of the lifter in some cases. This is something that's happening now, and I think it's something that the IWF, again, this weightlifting federation has to wrap their head around, that they're going to need doctors to determine sex based on weigh-ins, yes. Interesting. And do you, do you ever think for a minute, in your opinion, not any of the federation's opinions, that the men's and women's divisions should be combined as one? No, I, I think... It, I've always thought of it as a separate thing, not that it's one or the other, but just level playing fields in terms of what we're doing. But it's a great question, again, something to think about down the road that you might have either this third division or, again, secondary characteristics aside, there might be something where something merges from down the road. Who knows? That's a, Maybe we do this at the Arnold. We'll mix. We've done family feuds before, so who knows? They could potentially be. A third class of weightlifter. Insane. Well, Mark, listen, I cannot thank you enough. You're a very personal friend of mine. I appreciate everything you've done for me in the past. Cool. Unfortunately, even after hanging out with Mark for this long, I still can barely get out of bed, lift my iPhone. But uh, (laughs) nevertheless, thanks so much for coming on the show. We appreciate it. Again, check out Columbus Weightlifting Club. Look up Mark Canella if you'd like more info on him or to train with him. Uh, If he would like to train with you, if he'd be interested in training you, I should say. And uh, what's your website? Easiest one, ColumbusWeightlifting.org or on Facebook, Columbus Weightlifting, either one of those. You can reach out to me pretty quickly. Fantastic. And he'll be at the Arnold this year, yes. right? Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And we are actually setting up an ultra-human booth featuring the Da Vinci um, inside of uh, Columbus Weightlifting Club's uh, booth area. Yeah, we're looking forward to having you. A-Pod, so this would be A110 through A115. We've had it there for 15 years. We'd love to basically showcase what you're doing. Fantastic. So come visit us at the booth and come check out Mark Canella's setup. It's pretty impressive every year. Thanks again, Mark. Cool. Cool.